When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone and welcome to the housewives archives a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives my name is james evans and joining me is my co-host and she may be many things but she is not a liar a thief or a pedophile or at least i think she's not it's ellie nunn (laughs) that was one of the best (laughs) moments of the whole season of beverly hills there are three things that I cannot abide being called in this world. A liar, a thief, and a pedophile. <laughs> I'm with you every step of the way, Kathy. I'm with you every step of the way. Here, here. And a pedophile! Kathy <laughs> <laughs> Hilton. It's a cause very close to her heart. What a oh, gift. And she keeps on giving and giving. Absolutely. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I have an update from my story last week where I thought I bungled my audition by monologuing about housewives as one is wont to do. And turns out that I did pass the test and I got that goddamn part. And I think I have Teresa Giudice to thank for it. We should write her a note, I think. We should write her a thank you. Yes, Ah. she's my muse. Ah, that's Ah. so nice. Ah. (laughs) I really hope that you're going to channel Teresa for the whole show. You should invite her. Do you think, shall I? Shall I just draft like a press release and send it? Yeah, Yeah, and let her know. Imagine. The money I'd pay to have Teresa Judice sat in the front row of a really obscure Noel Coward play, just blinking the whole time, not having a fucking clue I, what was going honestly, on. Honestly, <laughs> I'll fly over just for that. Brilliant. We'll bring Macy out. She'll do a red carpet interview with her afterwards. Exactly. It's a go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> reporter. To be honest, I, I feel like if we get Macy involved, somehow it just will happen. That, like <laughs> Teresa will turn up somehow. Yeah. So She's I think really charm. you should be talking to her, not right. me. Yeah, it's like with Identical, there was a guy on... Love Island called. This is the thing with Love Island is that we're all obsessed. And then a month later, it's... uh, I know, yeah. Tomorrow's uh, fish and chip paper. Not a... I can't... I even remember what the guy was called, but we were all obsessed with him. Deji, he was called. And uh, our assistant director (laughs) drafted up a, a message to slide into his DMs to invite him to the press night. Identical. By any chance, a fan of the parent trap. <laughs> that would have been such a good... Um, because I remember, was it like the first season of Love Island? There were these identical twins that came on and they both kept being like, we're Italian, but they were like very Yorkshire as well. So that would have been... There must. Oh, be, I don't know, but that sounds very season six. There must be a couple of identical twins in the cast of Love Island somewhere. Yeah, like bring them along. Were the twins season six or season five? Oh, I don't know. Season the, six. These ones I'm thinking of, they were season one. That's the only season of No, Love no, Island. no, sorry. I'm thinking of New Jersey. I'm thinking of... Um, oh, yeah, season six. Uh, yes, Nicole bring them. And, Nicole and Teresa. Six. Bring them on. Teresa. Exactly. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. And I, I'm flying out to see you. I got a lovely email. They were like, when you did that Fozzie Bear impression, you really sealed the deal. 
<laughs> when you sang Ladies Who Lunch. I'm not going to lie, James. They called me for a reference. I put in a did, good one. Right. You know, I did what was right. I like to think you said nothing, but just sent them a link to the podcast. Exactly. That's it. As a good co-host. If you're a good co-host. Exactly. Here, here. How are I you? I would schedule my life around your performances. I'm good. Uh, we finished Identical 24 hours ago or so, on Saturday night. And the morning after, I sort of stumbled out of bed to make myself a cup of tea, leant over the kettle, burnt my arm. Oh. And then about four seconds later, cut a bagel and sliced my hand open. Oh. And all of this happened within two minutes of me waking up. That's sort of where I'm at. <laughs> Just like... I thought you were going to say it was like a Mrs. Doubtfire thing. You like leant over and burnt your breast and then burnt the other breast and then Sadly, ran around no. the kitchen. You're obsessed with my breasts. Everyone Can you is. blame me? Uh... <laughs> No, this was like far sadder than that. It was just me standing being like, oh God, I've just debilitated both of my limbs. It's very religious of you. It's very um, stigmata. Mm, mm, that was my intention as I sliced my bagel. It's really a symbol of how you've suffered on the pyre that is this podcast. The things we do for our art. And now I think potentially I've um, fractured my hand or my thumb lugging my cases back from Manchester. You know how I told you about when we did the journey with all of the football fans? We all know, The, yeah. the journey from hell. <laughs> yeah, this odyssey. When I turned up at Manchester Piccadilly, I just heard this like chanting oh, starting from the back of the station and suddenly about 500 football fans walked past me and I just thought this can't be happening again. But luckily they didn't get on my train. <laughs> For any of our international listeners, I think we're all familiar with like groups of straight men and groups of sports fans. But I would hazard a guess and say that there is no other nation on earth that quite has the vocal stylings of a group of English football fans, where it's like a guttural roar that sends chills through my very body. I've spent many years living in New York I've never heard a noise quite like it. It's that like, where it's yeah, like yeah. warning it's signs like go off. Concentrated it's, testosterone. It's like animalistic, it's like tribal. Yeah. yeah. No it good is a bit like it. having like a thousand of the New Jersey husbands like yeah. together, where it's that thing of making noise just to announce your presence yeah. rather than for any. And it's, it's just this like very. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that uh yeah very territorial did i ever tell you i was moving once in my one year when i lived in london and i was a bit of a dorit and pk i was a bit of a grifter where i had to keep moving every like three months because my housing situation kept falling through and on about the fifth attempt of me moving from i think it was pimlico to finsbury park <laughs> my brand of moving was just getting multiple ubers and rather than having boxes just having a variety of little like leather messenger bags just spread out <laughs> all my belongings amongst like 20 little messenger bags and just like scurrying them along like from the uber to the curb and back again and i had my two friends the contrast me. of this between <laughs> your impression of the football fans just now is <laughs> And then I had my two friends helping me. And then all of a sudden, because it was really close to Arsenal Stadium. And of course, it was after mm. a, a match because there's always a fucking match going on. Suddenly I hear that very same noise that all of a sudden there's a load of football <laughs> fans. And they all just simultaneously turn around and fall directly onto my bags and just start rolling around in it. 
And then suddenly my what? two friends... What are you talking about? Well, they saw my pile of leather tote bags and messenger bags just there in a heap on the and side of the street. rolling around in it? Yeah. How many football fans are we talking? Because I'm picturing 500 right now. So there was probably about 20. There was a football fan per leather messenger bag that I had. So it was like one to one. I look around, my two gays have screamed and they left. They're hiding yeah, yeah, in the exactly. door frame. Going, ah! So I had to then go into sort of like working at a restaurant oh. late at night mode and be like, what are you doing? Get off, get out of here, you rascals. <laughs> deal with it myself. So I, and it, it surprisingly worked. you were going to say you went into your like being back up, straight man back up for your friend mode. Oh yeah, I did my Danny Provenzano like, drag. Let me like, yeah. out of Funk is up, funk is up. Um, no, I, I did the, I did the soft touch. Oh, pugs. I did the gentle roots. I did a soft touch and it worked surprisingly well. What are you well. like? Yeah. I'm the Oof. football fan whisperer. Leave a gay alone. Yeah. <laughs> Can't you give a gay a break? Well, I, I, I could have used you then. <laughs> Leave him with me, with Auntie James. We really, yeah. I still, I've made me laugh so much that time when we were on the train when they kept singing and you just had these four musical theatre actors there being... <laughs> Being like, should we give them? We're going to wash that man right down of your hair. We're going to wash that man. Like, everybody. Like, like harmonising with them. Let's just seize the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll never walk alone. Let's like a compromise. Yeah. We all yeah, know that one. That's a good compromise. <laughs> so yes, I'm home. I mean, that slightly manic thing of, because I'm between unpacking and, and packing because I go to France for a couple of days tomorrow morning at like four in the morning. And I just can't find anything. So my whole day at the moment is taken up by me just like running around the house looking for really like stupid things like my razor handle or just, just like stuff oh, where I just would never remember it, where yeah. I put that. You can't have a razor without the handle. Oh, have you ever done that before where you don't have a handle to a razor so you have to like shave your armpits just with just holding the head? it between just, just holding the head. Yeah. Oh no. Well, that's, We've all been that's there. a dark place to be in, I'm sure. That's a, that's a low point. <laughs> So yes, and I'm currently trying to sort out, I can't take many liquids on board because I'm only doing handheld. So it's a bit like a potions lab up in my bedroom of me transferring moisturisers into little tiny plastic tubs. It's a bit of apothecary work. Exactly. Some heavy alchemy. Mm. So let's, since I dragged you into doing this final episode, should we do a brief catch up on New Beverly Hills, which to be fair, I'm going to miss doing. Me too. Because I know that this season has ended up also becoming (laughs) dissecting New Beverly Hills. (laughs) I'm going to miss doing that. Who knows if the season ends really well with the reunion and everything, we may have to come back and do like a a little roundup special a wrap up yeah but yes i mean the highlight of that episode was kathy hilton saying the liar thief pedophile comment but of course i actually thought that the episode was fairly dull until that whole argument at um kyle's the post ouija board Mm -hmm. argument where um i did i thought diana was so harsh i i thought that the pylon of sutton was a lot and I really thought that Garcelle's response was very authentic when she kept just sort of looking at her and going like this is hard this is a lot Mm -hmm. just all of us sat here saying this as if she's not here yeah I don't want to like start really heavy with this episode but I think that it was really fascinating when Diana basically brought up her miscarriage and how Sutton spoke Mm. about it as the whole kernel for this ongoing feud to be really fascinating and the language that she used around it where she said that Sutton shamed her which is hypocritical in her eyes because Sutton hid her two miscarriages 
it's a really interesting point because not having any experience about it, but I, I feel that miscarriage in a way is something that's a very universal plight, but it can be also very specific in terms of its mm-hmm. circumstances. And I can get how it's a bonding moment of hardship between women or people who can conceive, but that's mm-hmm. not to assume that everyone is going to process that trauma in the same way. And there can be different responses to that trauma and that can vary anywhere to the point where it can be confusing or even triggering how one person process it. You know, someone someone might be traumatized by a miscarriage for the rest of their lives and see it as a really Mm. profound loss. Some people may have processed it and talk about it in a way that's slightly more emotionally detached and they maybe see it as like a blip in their life. And then other people might have suffered through it in silence. They don't have anyone to, to resort to for support. And then they may just take it as a secret to their grave. So I can imagine it's a very jarring place to be in where you encounter someone on a level where you think you have this kinship that's really profound, but then fundamentally you have very different philosophies on the matter. Mm. And I think there may be a bit of that between Sutton and Diana where I don't think Sutton had a full picture of how affected Diana was maybe emotionally and physically. And then Sutton makes like not a clumsy comment, but just in that way that Diana said before, where well, it was Sutton br- yeah, 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 yeah. just kind of like yeah. threw it out as if that would like patch it up. That's true. And I think that maybe hit Diana harder than it was intended I don't know. It reminds me a bit of how Kyle was talking to Crystal the other week about her eating disorders. If you say like, I've been through it and, you know, I therefore And therefore I get it and therefore, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're both dealing with it at different stages in your life and you both just have different, you're you're in different places about a similar experience, but they're different experiences fundamentally. Mm. So while I might not agree with where Diana's coming from, and it uh, completely the anger was so outsized and it was very uncomfortable to watch i can see where it's coming from no i i think that's all really true and i think that perhaps what's been confusing is the it, it's been quite confusing tonally because with the added layer of it all being on a show i think that sutton was potentially sort of playing the show more right where with the whole like that's confusing thing of diana showing up in a way that then obviously translated as very lacking in empathy and then i think when sutton and i agree i think sutton's delivery is is really crap a lot of the time but then when sutton was saying no i understand i've had miscarriages and it got construed as kind of competitive rather than no i i get it i'm i was just sort of doing the show i think what's confusing for me is when it when it then was flashing back to that conversation a couple of episodes ago where Sutton really did apologize very genuinely and it was it just felt very odd the way it was like all brought back up and also just this continuous thing that Garcelle keeps pointing out of why someone like Lisa Rinna is allowed to pile on Sutton but Garcelle's sort of attacked for standing by her or being her friend or her association it's very strange. I do agree with Crystal's take where it's just very evident at this point that Diana is fundamentally repulsed by Sutton, whatever she does, no matter yeah, how yeah. many times exactly. Sutton apologizes. So at this point, you just sort of have to shrug and Sutton yeah. sort of absolved herself of, of her responsibility to make things good. Yeah, It is fascinating how much Diana does just despise Sutton. It, it, it really is bizarre. Yeah. But then also with all that talk about where Diana's from at the moment, going through her journey with her miscarriage, as awful and as tragic as that may be, also on the other hand, you sort of introduced it as a storyline because you packaged it in that bizarre 
group text that you sent to everyone. I think that was my point about like Sutton kind of doing the show is that Diana sort right. of packaged it as like part of the show and like a weird dig at Garcelle. So I think it felt quite up for debate in a way that you know that if it had been packaged with that thing where they kind of play the music and they're all FaceTime each other being like, oh my God, did you hear what right, happened right, right. to Diana? It would never have been brought up in that way. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's all got a bit confused. Yeah. I'm really glad for Sutton, though, because she played her defense very, very well. After seeing her completely bungle any kind of verbal defense at the 70s party, yeah. Sutton really settled on a winning strategy here, which, which was to just sit there and cry, basically, and not say a yeah. word. And just make your opponent look dreadful. It really worked. And it's like perfectly judged. Yeah, it really, sometimes it's the smartest thing to do. Yeah. I've learned that in so many arguments with oh, boyfriends and mm. things like that. Sometimes your strongest defense is just sit and silently weep and yeah. it makes them feel awful. And let them <laughs> hoist them by their own petard. Exactly. And it's really because it, she really managed to avoid the two pitfalls that Saturn normally gets, which is to either put her foot in her mouth or have a complete meltdown to the point where she's absolutely incomprehensible. And get too upset. Exactly. And get to the point where everyone's like, now you're being overdramatic, which she, it... It all felt very painful to watch. It was a very Princess Diana performance of silently but obviously suffering. Yes. And I think that was also doubly effective because that is exactly what winds Diana up. So then it would be this beautiful, vicious cycle where Diana was getting angry with Sutton. <laughs> Sutton would play this like doe-eyed Bambi victim, which would get Diana more angry, which would make her say more stuff to Sutton, which would get her more upset. And then it made Diana look yeah. even worse. It was well done, everyone. Perfection. I loved it. Anything else happened that episode? <laughs> I just think, yeah, it was the first, the beginning of the episode was quite boring. And then it was just like, they all just landed in Aspen and then the high altitude did just unleash something in all of them. So we had Diana yelling about how Sutton's this slithery see you next Tuesday. We had Kyle getting, mm -hmm. going through the whole pomp and ceremony of getting a Ouija board out and then yelling at Erica and Rinna like, ask the Ouija board why Garcelle unfollowed Erica. And then promptly like having a bit of a melt down oh, but also Kyle had that moment. What was she arguing? Oh, about the unfollowing on Instagram when she was suddenly got very shouty about it's not about whether it was important. It's about the fact that Sutton said it was a joke or whatever. Like they all got very shouty very fast. Yeah, yeah. And then Kyle like had a bit of a tantrum and they just like walked off screaming about how no one's being open and honest because no one really sort of took the bait. Yeah. I actually did see Kyle's point. Yeah. And then we get the previews for next week with Erica clomping around the house. I'm excited. Screaming again. What about the facts? What about the people? I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> I don't give a shit about anybody but me. Yes. That's what we want to hear. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, we're going to be dining well next week. I know, it's going to be fab. And by I then I'm going to be like rested, recharged and full of Erica Girardi goodness. I want to say one thing about Diana. I think by now everyone hates Diana. And even for a fandom as divisive as Beverly Hills, it feels like pretty much everyone's on the same page. It feels a bit like Teddy 2.0, where like everyone just seems to loathe this housewife. Right. But people are talking about her as if she's a casting disaster and she's clearly going to be a one and done, which I don't really get. I think that Diana's many things, but I don't think of her as a flop. If anything, I think of her as like a classic quintessential housewife. Do you disagree? No, I agree. And I think that what she's done, which is quite unusual, is... Often people will come in for their first season and be quite uneventful and 
that's when they appear like they're going to be like a one season flop and then do a complete 180. Very Teddy. Right. A bit Crystal as well, where it's like their drama mainly is in their second season when there's like, and, and most of the time it was because it was someone linked to Lisa Vanderpump, whereby their second season right, exactly. they suddenly were like, I get it now. I was manipulated. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Where Diana has just come in and just been the villain from the off which we haven't had for a while. I just think her casting as well is very quintessentially OG, grimy grifter vibes that I really love. She feels a bit like a character from White Lotus in that she's this like kind of rubbery alien creature that's dressed Looking very gaudily. Looking for you, <laughs> I am. And she has like all yeah. these like great facial tics with the lip licking and the, the toy boy boyfriend and the group text at Garcelle's party and the so you say. Yeah. And like sending Ghostbusters to sage her hotel room. Oh yeah. She has all the trappings of a great real housewife. And I honestly mark my words, I think Diana will be the new Carlton. In 10 years from now, we're going to look back at Diana and we'll go, we didn't really appreciate her at the time. That weirdo gave it her all. Yeah. She's got she's got a real blend of Yolanda, Carlton and Sonia or something. Yeah. Like it, it's quite Which, she's quite Hey, a what a trifecta. Which hey, what more could we want? Exactly. You don't know what it got till it's gone. Right. Should we have a trip down memory lane of uh New Jersey? Yes. It's so nice to not have any notes in front of me. I'm freestyling today. Mm, how exciting. We can just ask each other questions. Yeah. So yes, this is why we are here for one last hurrah. After a season, it's by far the most gargantuan season of the Housewives archives mm. we've done yet in terms of length and probably in terms of effort and tears that have gone into this podcast. And also bearing in mind that we began this podcast during a lockdown where there was nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. So not only did we have the time I had the time to re-watch all of Real Housewives of New York, but also the actual recording and editing and everything. This season is definitely the most that we've done a season whilst having lives and jobs. Yeah. And especially like this has been the most intense job I'd ever had in terms of, because it was a new musical and a new, like we were all saying in the cast, we thought once we got to Nottingham and Manchester that we'd have the days and then you just go in and do the show at night. Because to be honest, that's quite normally once you're done with tech, that's how things go. Right. But on a big new musical, that just doesn't happen. You're just still called in all day, every day, changes being made. You've got cover rehearsals. You've got. And the schedule was just so much more intense than I ever could have imagined in terms of being so all consuming that putting aside the fact that it was really hard to find the time to actually record, it was finding the time to even watch the show. Yeah. I can't apologize enough in some ways for like, the the quality was really difficult to upkeep because it was really hard to do it on the side of I think as well for New Jersey for both of us. Whereas for the first two seasons, I feel like New York and Beverly Hills are probably the most in our bones where we just immediately have like a Rolodex of yes. references that we can just dip into. It would be much easier to wing an episode on Ramona than it is to wing an episode on like season 11 of New Jersey. You're so right. So this probably required the most close reading of the text yeah yeah and they're also just the most exhausting to watch yeah (laughs) like feel for us we've just spent four months or whatever with Teresa (laughs) Judas. it's a pain worse than death a pain worse than death Uh, a fate worse than death (laughs) fate worse than death And a pain in the arse. If I'm going to bungle a phrase, let it be in reference to Teresa Judice. So how did you find doing the format of season by season rather than... Yeah. Because it would have been impossible. I still, I think we made the right choice in terms of how on earth would you do an episode on Teresa on its own? 
I was thinking this, and I think a through line for the first two seasons of Housewives Archives is that often we don't do an episode on the star of the show. So we never did a show on Bethany. We never did a show on Kyle. And I think partly that's just because they're that constant presence where they organically come up in reference to other characters. So there's always a through line. And I think either if we did Jersey character by character we would just not do an episode on Teresa because we kind of cover it when we're doing the the Kathy episode god what a hoot that would be or the Melissa episode it would we, we'd already kind of like cover the basics I guess but also I guess she's so repetitive because we did repeat ourselves a lot about it well it would be nice to just do an episode on her say she's awful and just get it out of our systems <laughs> and not have to talk about her ever again put her back in a box and <laughs> just bury her <laughs> Um, so I, I feel think like in some what, ways... I think it, what was lovely about it... Oh, sorry. I was just no, going to no. say, like, especially with the first few seasons, was the seasons, especially something like season two, it's got such an incredible, like, narrative as a season that it was so fun to talk about it, following it through and picking out favourite moments. It is like an epic. It's like Beowulf or it's like an old, like, Norse poem or a saga of families warring. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think it really worked at the... the beginning i think by the end we sort of bit off maybe more than we could chew because it was just later seasons that neither of us were as familiar with and it did require sort of having to watch every single episode and (laughs) talk about every single storyline that happened maybe we held ourselves to a really high standard and felt like we had to be comprehensive because back in the day we just do an episode on alex mccord and we pick like two or three funny moments and talk about her quite general and just use those three points as a close text example i tell you what if we do orange county Mm -hmm. at some point i promise we can go back to the old format i think it would really work for orange county especially because there's just so many colorful characters and lovable weirdos and lots of like one season wonders that i think really plays to our strengths i feel like loads of people loved our carlton episode people really referenced that one a lot that's one of my favorites and i think that may be our brand of defending the underdog this isn't related to new jersey but what have been your favorite episodes of ours that we've done oh i think the most fun i had recording the most i've laughed in an episode was probably the dana pam and game night gone wild (laughs) episode i had such a hoot recording it and I had just as oh much fun God, listening to it again. That. And I think, again, that kind of plays into our brand. Where else do you find a podcast that would spend You're an so hour right. like and some niche. change talking it, about Dana yeah, exactly, Wilkie? with Dana. That's right, the Dana one and the Carlton one as well. Yeah. But also, I just re- I have such a vivid memory of being on the train to Birmingham and bursting out laughing so loudly, listening to us doing an impression of Lisa Vanderpump on the ASMR Amsterdam dinner. Going, Stars to venture, Stars to venture, Stars to venture a thousand percent. (laughs) Because that's the other thing is I really miss our, um, I miss the impressions we felt very confident with. And New Jersey feels like taking on Commedia dell'arte or something where it was just like a new world and pretty much apart from being Teresa. Actually, this isn't fair. You are brilliant at the New Jersey accents and I did not put the time in to work on them or perfect them. And they also, I'm going to be honest, the New Jersey ones hurt my voice quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I just wouldn't commit to them. 
Whereas Camille Grammer, it's like silk. Yeah. Does nothing. Yeah. And also when you do character by character, it's like, you know, for the next hour, you're going to be in that place vocally. That's so true. Whereas we we were having to suddenly Switch jump into like a forth. Jackie or a Margaret. Yeah. And it was just really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very hard going on the old vocal box. Uh, so looking back at New Jersey, what is your favourite season of the Royal Housewives of New Jersey? I think I'm still going to have to say season two. It has to be season two. I was also re-listening to that like three episode stretch we did talking about season two and it was basically the Danielle episodes part one, two and three. (sighs) She gave us so much. It was so funny. It was so high octane drama. There was never a dull moment. There was always something whether it be like a big grand storyline or just a hilarious little vignette that we could just pick apart and laugh about. That's it isn't it that like compared to recent series where we're watching like Dolores move home for the eighth time. Yeah. All that footage of just Danielle Danielle being driven into Franklin Lakes to get a panini. Yeah. Because fine because the manzos are gone. Like Comedy gold. Everything was gold. Yeah. And it's also if it was Danielle having a Dolores storyline where she was redoing her kitchen that you know there'd be like a whole bit where she'd Think be like her surveyor was trying to kill her exactly and like, then like go and stalk <laughs> yeah. the surveyor like get him up on the phone leaving him an abusive <laughs> message like she would she'd work hard for it and she works hard for the check and I, I miss her so dearly so I, I really do think it was a golden era but also if it wasn't Danielle then we were in a world that was so wholesome and so warming where now I look at New Jersey and there's no season where I ever look and go, I wish I was there. I wish I was sat. I'm never like, I wish I was at Margaret's disco party or I wish I was sat at Melissa's having dinner. But back when you think about Caroline Manzo and Kathy Wakili and how much it was like you wanted to just crawl into the screen and be at that Christmas party or be at that family dinner. And that's why I I do also have a real soft spot for that season three festive stretch between Thanksgiving and Christmas in New York. I think now New Year. Like it's the end. (laughs) New York. York. (laughs) Maybe it's because it's the end of the summer now. Autumn's in the air. I think I'm going to start a little like rewatch of that stretch of festive season soon. I think I may just have to do it. So good. It's going to be my new home alone. Yes. I know. I know exactly. And I remember watching that and just being like, it's so wholesome. Yeah. I kind of really enjoy talking about season six as well. I feel like season six was probably our cult and episode taking the vilified, disregarded element of a housewife city and trying to sort of argue its case and spend an hour talking about it. I think we were really doing God's work there. And I think that was very (laughs) us. Did you have a low point, dare I ask? Or like a least favourite season? (laughs) Um... I'm trying to think back to, there's a blurry area around Jackie coming in or just before Jackie came in where I find it hard to remember what happens in that bit. I think season seven was probably in many ways the hardest to talk about because it was Teresa just coming back from prison. She's, it's so, Uh it's just sad. It's before Siggy goes completely off the rails. There's no like big character there's there was no comedy there was no ridiculousness that's right exactly everything was just quite sad and it's so weird to think back to the point at which i actually felt very sorry for Teresa and was like crying yeah there's there was like a weird moment where i was suddenly like well maybe i like Teresa. and to see her just a bit withdrawn and quiet but then it's just lots of scenes of her and jackie trying to patch it up and then falling out again and you're just like god why are we bothering why are we bothering to talk about yeah exactly so (laughs) Exactly, that was probably a lower point. 
Oh, that was the low point. Was was around season five that the endless Oh God. Teresa versus Joe and Melissa. Yeah. Yeah. And you just thought, oh, bring back Danielle. And and also just like how painful watching like Kathy. In fact, but maybe my low point of the whole of Real Housewives of New Jersey was the kind of dredging up of Kathy and mm. Jacqueline just for them to go out with such a whimper of just <laughs> especially uh, God, they did the Cassie dirty. and Rosie, who we'd loved so much. And then it just felt really sad. I really do think, I know times have changed, but I do think about this point that we made before talking about Rosie of what how different things could have been if we made Rosie a housewife. Yeah. She deserved it. And I think that she could still be here today. She was so brilliant. And instead she kind of like crawled off the show and along with one of the Jonas brothers or whatever. And it was just really sad. It's collateral damage for Kathy Wakili of all people. I think one of the saddest things to happen across the whole of Real Housewives of New Jersey was the transference of loyalty of Joe and Melissa from Kathy and Richie to oh, Teresa. Yeah. And that night where they all go over to Kathy and Richie's and it's just like cold. And we were saying about how like Kathy's house has lost any of its warmth. Right. And it's like they've got a kind of in-house bar or whatever, but everything just feels cold and unwelcoming and no one looks like they're having a good time anymore and you just long for them all to be you know eating her desserts in the kitchen on christmas eve back in that season three there was something very sad about that scene where i feel like everyone saw the writing on the wall as well it It reminds me a bit of i don't know why i think about this scene a lot for a couple of characters who are very disposable but after in season six when amber gets her hair pulled out and then their friend bobby comes over teresa or nicole's boyfriend and they've been like best friends for years and years jimmy and bobby and they basically just end the friendship over it but it wasn't screaming and yelling it was just that very sad thing and there's the same thing with kathy and joe and melissa where they're just sort of around a kitchen island with a sort of like a quiet shrug and like okay this is this is it yeah which is so universal i feel like a lot of us have had relationships like that whether it be friendships or romantic relationships Mm. in life where it's not about screaming and yelling and throwing things and tears it's just a kind of okay we're sort of we've just drifted apart and it is what it is have i told you about the friend of mine who emailed me basically (laughs) (laughs) saying she was calling time on our friendship that was wild it was so sad because but similarly there was no bad blood it was a really lovely email which made it even more painful of just being like if i ever see you i'm going to give you the biggest hug but i think we're just our lives are going in different directions that is and it was like such a housewife move that is bizarre it was so i think it i think it just really shocked me the idea of like officially calling time on it i didn't know you could do that i didn't know those were the rules (laughs) of life but okay and i was I just thought that was quite bold to not... Because sometimes you have friendships. I've definitely had friendships where you drift apart and then you come back together. But if you call time on something, there's a, there's a very finite... Right, yeah. You're really putting all your eggs in one basket there. You're, you're very sure about it. And hmm. <laughs> What did you <laughs> very do? Very sure that I was adding nothing to my life. <laughs> I am a drain. Anyway, I feel like I might get an email from James after this being like, I didn't know that we could do that. Oh yeah, great. Thanks for giving me an out. <laughs> Thank you for your services. <laughs> I'm drafting it as we speak. Yeah, literally. <laughs> like when agents are like, unfortunately, we just don't think that we're working for you or that yeah. we can find you the right... Are you going to get a text from me? You're just scanning for the word, unfortunately. Ah, uh, okay, that's all I Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, if you had to pick a favourite housewife from New Jersey, I already know the answer. 
who would it be? Come on, it's Danielle. I'm sorry <laughs> to be repetitive. Maybe it's recency bias and she's just on the brain right now, but I would say she's potentially one of the greatest housewives we've ever had. Like, people like that are made for television, but also there's the whole ethical quandary of she fundamentally shouldn't be <laughs> like, on TV not as well. Like, keep her far away from everyone. Yes. Don't put her in front of a camera, but also keep it coming. But you're so right that from that first shot of her in that, like, bikini in her, whatever, you just knew that... Yeah. She was she's the stuff of legend. Yeah. Her self-awareness and her total lack of self-awareness is just like the perfect combination. And she's a self-producer, which is a very, I think it's one of those things yes. you can't really talk about it because it's a very behind the scenes sort of trait that you need to have. But the best housewives know how to self-produce in a way that isn't too on the nose as well. I feel like Jennifer's very good at that in recent seasons. And also mm. Margaret as well is probably a good self-producer. I was going to say, I think Margaret's done a very good job of it, like carving out a role and playing that role very well. I think... Where yeah. when Margaret first came on, I thought it was a really odd choice. Well, it's a hard one because she clearly didn't know anyone, which normally in terms of casting, you're sort of setting themselves up for failure. Didn't know anyone and just had a very different energy to yeah. everyone else. I didn't understand how it would fit. The recent casting on New Jersey has been very good and they've all collectively in different ways. The show's really benefited from their presence, but I do kind of miss the Italian vaguely mobstery vibe. I a bit of new casting, I kind of want that. It's really gone. And that's what I and that's where it's like when I think about favourite housewives from across New Jersey, obviously Danielle's at the top, but I do miss Caroline Manzo and everything that she came with and this like this exactly like we've always said but with the sopranos at the kind of faux Ita- of like italian but like with no actual um yeah sense of comfort <laughs> in italy whatsoever um but where teresa's italian has always felt slightly um surface level caroline's did at least run deep enough that it felt like it was very there in the kind of behavior core values uh, isn't that kind of what she said to Teresa in that one reunion where she like says caroline can't speak italian she's like i may not speak italian but i'm italian in my blood i'm italian in my values i'm italian in my life and she's right yeah she is she is and where you know Teresa's Italian seem to only ever fall back on being like I'm hot-headed and I constantly say like whatever whatever her thing is oh Madonna (laughs) like it's neither of us said Italian words there in any way apologies to any Italians listening very sorry whereas Caroline did at least seem to have it run down into some sort of roots of like her family and just the romanticism of Italy yes. that a lot of us have yes. just sort of seeped out of their lifestyle and their food and and it, it was almost the perfect combination of like the fetishization of Italy and of Italians with the kind of wholesome soccer mom fridge full of food yeah. family dinners like American values yeah. as well and so it ticked every box yeah i actually do think despite everything all these copious seasons and it being years since she's been on the show i think if someone says real housewives of new jersey the first image i have is just the hearth of the manzo's home or like the kitchen island exactly the family you know what i want to know you know that photo you sent me of caroline manzo and danielle around like a corner in the hotel from each other with like frying pans i want to know how that photo shoot went down like i want to know like whether they like talked on set it just has a self-awareness that they didn't have so i'm like i want to to be there i know were they even both there or did they just photoshop them in together that's what i was wondering part of me likes to think if they were both there in person 
slightly like one inch out of the frame there was like a whole security team it was like danny provenzano and all the hell angels <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. for protection <laughs> we need to recreate it next time we're together oh my god we do right let's do it when you're here for thanksgiving we're gonna drive to the brownstone we're gonna sweet talk our way in oh i'll do my what are you like Perfect. football fans Shtick. <laughs> get us in Grab ourselves a couple of frying pans and we'll make magic. We'll get Mace to take it. Oh, perfect. Any favourite moments from across? Like when you think of Real Housewives of New Jersey, what are the scenes that come to your mind? Between us, we can have a sort of top five. Oh, yeah. I feel like I always want to be a contrarian. But if I'm honest, it's those ones. It's like the baptism brawl, I guess. Yeah. The posh fashion show. I feel like we've got to give Siggy something because I feel like Siggy lying on the floor doing that, that's all I wanted yeah. bit, is the cadence of that. And also, she was very easy to forget once she'd gone. But that season was mad. It was mad. And like, she's she's another one. And a bit like someone like Carlton. You, it's easy to be like, oh, she lifted right out and it didn't matter. Yeah. But it was quite the journey we went on. And it was just so big. Yeah, yeah. And so sudden. I think she would have really benefited from the old system of doing a housewife per episode because there was just such a clear arc from first season going she's kind of fun and kooky but she's like a mother hen and brings everyone together i really like siggy and then suddenly oh my fucking god yeah yeah (laughs) what has happened to then her just crashing and burning and becoming this QAnon possible insurrectionist of the show it was kind of amazing it's the american dream it's like a perfect three-step story isn't it exactly the the argument over the analogy is one of my favorites it's not one of the most memorable but it it is just so funny it's one of those ones that you just can't write it's just organically exactly come just and the fact that the best kinds of arguments are always ones where people are either in fancy dress I'm thinking of the 80s theme bunko party on Orange County yeah. where Vicky's yes, screaming yes. at Gretchen about Slade. Or they're hoisted 20 feet into the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are exactly. The it really like elevated it quite literally to this very camp pedestal. Just them all screaming about analogies and how to use them rhetorically from a great height. That's so true. They either have to be out of their comfort zone. So either at a kind of go ape 20 feet in the air in a treetops or even the therapy... The group counselling with yes. the, the big fight between the Joes with the two um, counsellors just like haplessly standing, being like, okay, we're going to get to that. Um, <laughs> Slowly losing the middle of it. Of it. Oh, God. Like, and then like driving off. I think it's always got to be like taken out of a context or exactly like you say, we've got like the, the first, um, the emergency... Responders party. What's it called? First responders party. Or even the fact that it's got to be like in Nashville where they're all wearing cowboy hats for some reason. The ones you really remember are costumed very well and have like a statement feel or a very particular cadence like that Siggy line. Yes. Those are all the ingredients for a truly great housewife scene. Ellie, come on. Ingredients. Ingredients. I can't believe that I missed that. This has been 40,000 weeks worth of talking about New Jersey. You should know better by now. Do we have anything else that we'd like to say about Jersey? No. I'm happy to close the pan lid on the pasta dish of Real Housewives of New Jersey. As a treat, I have written something for you and for all our listeners at home (gasps) this week. I had an afternoon where I was a bit bored and I was thinking about last week, you saying that I write about fan fiction, erotic fan fiction to do with Frank and Bill. Oh my God! So I thought I'd 
take it upon myself to write my own little bit of Danielle fan fiction. And I'd love nothing more than to take out this season of the Housewives Archives than by giving you a dramatic reading of said work. I'm excited. I can't wait. Okay. I am not this. I am so much more than this. Danielle murmured to herself as she stared at the empty panini wrappers in her trash can. She had received multiple texts from several different people that the Manzos were out of town and that the coast was clear to get her beloved panine. Like Persephone emerging from the underworld in springtime, Danielle (laughs) emerged from her white Range Rover and bought every panine Franklin Lakes had to offer. Now, they were nothing. Just garbage. Like any other garbage. Disposable. Unwanted. Danielle was not garbage. Call me garbage. Call me garbage one more time, Caroline. Danielle winced and looked down at her hand. A sharp jolt of pain brought her out of her detritus-induced trance. A small trickle of blood dribbled out of the palm of her hand and fell in droplets on the vinyl floor. Her once white French tips were now tainted burgundy, and she realised that she had dug her fingers so hard that she had drawn blood. When did it get dark outside? Who knows how long she had been standing there, carving her trauma into her hand. The house was empty but for the sound of the clock ticking and Caroline Manzo's words ringing in her ears. Call me garbage once, Danielle purred under her breath as she slinked over to the hall and spread out on the carpeted staircase. It smelt like dog, like Fendi and Gucci, like cheap perfume and cigarettes, like strange men calling at all hours of the night, like the tears of Gillian and Christine, like bell peppers. But she can't have those anymore. It upsets her stomach. (laughs) Danielle closed her eyes and thought back to that night. Come to the posh fashion show, they said. It'll be fun, they said. It was in Wayne, after all. That was Danielle's turf, and no one would touch a hair on her head in Wayne. As it turned out, that coke whore Ashley would end up pulling several hairs from her head. But before that, in this very hall, it was a night of beauty. Of love. The throbbing pain in Danielle's hand was replaced by the memory of Kim Ji's fingers sliding between hers in a perfect union. Their fingers closed over each other's, and they pressed palms together. Kim Ji's hands were slightly clammy, but her touch sent a jolt of yearning straight to Danielle's perineum. Flesh on flesh. That's all Danielle wanted. It had been so long. Not since Danny Provenzano grazed her clavicle with the tip of his concealed weapon had she felt such a thrill. Don't tell me to zip it, Danielle teased, shaking her breasts playfully at her geriatric bosom buddy. (laughs) You want me to kick your ass? Kimji retorted, her tits following suit and shaking in response. Is that a threat? Danielle asked as she removed the banana clip from Kimji's brittle hair and unzipped her sequin dress, letting it fall to the ground in a heap around her spindly ankles. Kimji stood there like a statue, like Venus de Milo, except with arms, as naked as the day she was born, but for a white cotton G-string from which the top of her ass crack popped out like a mole emerging from its hole. Kimji's two shy breasts hung like a couple of deflated balloons, but they soon perked up when Danielle silently traced the outline of each areola with her acrylic. Danielle baptised each breast with a soft kiss of the lips. The right one, Kathy. 
the left one. Sue. <laughs> Kim G has never made me feel this. No, Mr. G has never made me feel this way. Kim G moaned in ecstasy. You have the best body out of anyone in Wayne. Better than Michelle Obama's? Yes. <laughs> but I'm not so sure. I'm so self-conscious since Steve leaked that video of me in the boudoir. Perhaps you could give me a second opinion? And Danielle promptly whipped off her entire outfit, healed booties and all, in a move that used to engage and suggest the crowd back in the 1930s when she was the most sought-after burlesque star in all of Berlin. Kim Ji took a step back as she drunk in the image of the naked beauty before her. Danielle's breasts, usually so cold and indifferent, grew warm as a Paramus sunset at the thought of Kim Ji's touch, and her nipples stood to attention like two Russian privates in a Siberian winter. There's never been anyone else, Kim Ji, Danielle proclaimed. I've only had eyes for you, and you're a pussy. That was a bit Kim Cattrall, wasn't it? (laughs) I've only had eyes for you, and you're a pussy. The chime of her doorbell jolted Danielle out of her fantasy. Dina? Danielle called out. Is that you? (laughs) I'm not putting too much stock in a friendship with you, but if you want to have drinks at Chakra again, I will accept. Danielle opened wide the door. Darkness there, and nothing more. Danielle's breath, hot with the memory of Kim Ji's vagina, fluttered into the wintry jersey darkness. (laughs) I know you're there. Danielle called out to her invisible foe. One day I'll catch you, and we will go at it once and for all, matriarch to matriarch. From across the street, behind a bush, Caroline Manzo crouched (laughs) and watched as Danielle slowly retreated back into her house and closed the door. Just once. That's all it takes. Caroline vowed to herself. One of these days you'll get sloppy. And you'll let your guard down. You go to the bathroom. You forget to lock the door. And that's when I'll strike. I warned you all along. From the very beginning. If you mess with my fanboy, you're messing with me. The end. Oh, bravo. Thank you. My favorite was the Parama sunset. <laughs> it was just beautiful. Thank you. Congratulations. It's a first draft, but the book will be forthcoming. Oh, I can't wait. Honestly, I'm reeling. I'm shedding a small tear. <laughs> this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for doing with this <laughs> this with me a third time. I couldn't think of anyone I'd rather do this with. I know. There's no one else that I would do this with. <laughs> you are the Kim G to my Danielle in oh, the best way. Not sure I love that. Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't want to go slithering up a pole with me sometime? No? All right. I, I, only if you promise to hoist me up by putting your hands under my ass and sort of pushing oh, me. Oh, always. always. You know okay, that I'll good, good, good. push you up ass first. All right. Uh, Shall I take us out? Take us out one uh, last time. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating or if you'd simply tell your friends about the show, that would help us out too. It's the most important, most helpful thing you can do to help us out. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Right, I better go start watching Orange County. <laughs> <laughs>